0: Welcome to the Marion Message, presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week, we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows, Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marion Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. If you will, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis, uh, chapter 22. We're going to look at verses... Um, Probably one through five. Um, That sounds really confident, doesn't it? Uh, One through five. uh, One through 18 is really the the whole passage, but we're going to look at one through five specifically, and then we'll hit on a few other points. While you're turning there, um, I tell you that this passage and this message has been put on my heart for a while now, probably um, a couple months before I even found out I was going to be preaching it today. There's just been a lot of conversation about worship. And that sounds great. I I, I love uh, discussing things like worship and the things of the church because it it leads us to be a more Christ-centered church. But the problem is, so often the conversation doesn't go the way it should. See, when, when I say conversations about worship, what I've noticed so much is conversations about preferences. It's conversations about the music. Well, worship music is this and that, but I don't like this, but I don't like that. I don't like the pastor's voice. I don't like the way he moves around. It's nerves. I'll get over it eventually. But I was reminded, um, I had to laugh, but then it it brought about a bit of sadness. Um, At Drew's ordination, Terry St. John uh, said, you know, they told me to, to preach for 10 minutes. I don't think I've ever preached. For only 10 minutes. I say that for two reasons. Number one, um, I too cannot preach for 10 minutes. I apologize. Um, but it reminded me of a conversation. And it came to me um, last Sunday when, when Hank was talking about the saddest words for all eternity. Um, it reminded me of one of the saddest conversations I've ever had. Um, man, I did not know it was going to upset me. That was weird. Um... I was at work one day, had a had a coworker. it's been years back, that said they were looking for a new church, her family was looking for a new church. I said, great, I knew they lived kind of close, I was like, maybe I mentioned Marion. Before I could get that out, however, she said, yeah, we've been looking, but I refuse to sit anywhere where the pastor preaches more than 10 minutes. Said, I, I go to church to worship, not to hear some guy tell me what he thinks a book says. It made me sad on a couple of different levels. First, it, it shocked me and, and probably irritated me a good bit in the moment, if I'm being honest. Um, I cut short the conversation and left pretty quickly, I think. Um, but what really happened is, is long-term, it saddened me not just for what it meant for her relationship to God, but it hit me later on that there's plenty of Christians that have that same idea. We have this misinformation, this misunderstanding of what worship is, and so it becomes this thing that we do at a certain time for a little while, and then we move along with our lives. And it's so important to have the right biblical understanding of of what worship is because it's the whole reason we're here, not just here in this place, but it's the reason we exist, and so I want to take just a minute to, before we get into the main passage, if you will turn to First Corinthians, uh, Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 31. That's First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. And I'm gonna fuss about my wife for just a minute. She wants me to get snazzy new glasses to look all professional and stuff. I can't flip them up on my head anymore. I apologize. So every time I read, I gotta take these things off. It drives me nuts. All right. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do what? All. There's nothing that's outside of that. Give no offense. Oh, uh, sorry. We're gonna stop right there. Do all to the glory of God. And then if you'll jump over to Colossians 3, verse 17. Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the father through him again we're reminded that it's not just something we do every now and then it's to be our entire purpose it's our purpose for existing and it makes sense i want to i want to talk a little bit about sports for just a minute before we get into this and and i'll admit i don't watch a lot of sports did when i was younger because i played sports i enjoyed watching it now i just don't really have it so so you got to put yourself in a time frame i you know i'm talking about the 90s, early 2000s maybe even, um, I loved baseball, loved the A's. Talking Ricky Henderson, Jose Canseco A's, okay? and But it would be weird if I showed up wearing a Brave shirt to cheer for the A's. Wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. You see, there's acceptable ways to be a fan there's acceptable ways to worship and the problem is the reason we get stuck on preference is because we think we have the right to define worship and it's not God defines worship because he is the authority over everything he is sovereign and once we begin to look at how God defines worship then the idea of a worshipful life seems to make a little more sense. You see, if you just think of it as, as saying nice things about God and, and as singing, look, I love being in the praise team. I, I'm so thankful for the fact that Kim and Tyler lead that praise team prayerfully and make sure that the songs we're singing glorify God. But it's not just music. It's not just this time we have in here. And so is it any wonder when we're called to be worshipful all the time, when our whole lives are dedicated to it, and all eternity, if you're a Christian, is dedicated to it, that we have people that are confused and maybe not even looking forward to heaven because they think, well, I don't really like to sing. I don't want to be that cartoon angel up there with a harp for eternity. That seems pretty boring. Well, it's because we don't understand worship. And with that, let's get into it. Let's stand at the ring of God's word out of honor and respect if we're able. And we're going to be in Genesis 22. And again, for this, we'll just jump into one through five. It's the sacrifice of Isaac. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now recognizing you as the authority, the sovereign one, and recognizing that you define what pleases you. You define worship. We have no say in the matter. We can only be obedient if we love you. So, Heavenly Father, during this time, help us to be obedient. Help us to be focused solely on your word, your greatness, and glorifying your holy name. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. So, Here's here's a little, I I told Mona, I I had to laugh, I'm trying to be a little bit of a word nerd today. I'm probably going to butcher it. Thank you for that support. I'm probably going to butcher it, but we're going to try to get there anyway. Work with me here a little bit. So I found out that verse 5 of this chapter is the first time that we see the word worship in Scripture. That's kind of weird. This is not exactly what I would say... comes to mind when I think of worship but because it's the first time the word worship is used we can figure out a couple things about it first of all we can all agree that I am reading out of God's word correct we're all in agreement there not reading out of farmer's almanac or anything else just God's word so we know that it's God breathed it's inerrant and it's purposeful it's intentional so if this is the first time that it's used it's no coincidence that this is the first time that term is used and and second we can kind of and i i hesitate to to go this route but i I really want to get this idea across it's we can assume that this is kind of the core the purest form of this term because it's the first time it's used so so it hasn't been watered down or anything like that it hasn't been affected by culture or anything like that it, it's it's the purest form. It really can, can lead us to the core meaning of that term, worship. Now, you know, it's one of those, those things. This is the first time I've preached here without Hank here, so I'm going to do what I want. There we go. <laughs> Deal with it. No, uh, I, I want to get a little interactive for just a moment. So the Hebrew word used here for worship is shaha. And now we're going to get interactive. I want you to say it after me. We're going to repeat it three times. Shaha. 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 All right. So my my teaching uh, courses tell me that the mix of you repeating it and being uncomfortable repeating it and probably being a little irritated with me for making you repeat it is going to help you remember it. But here's the thing: it, it's not as so often is the case, it's not a straight translation. What it actually means is to fall down on your face, to bow down, to humble yourself. Now, I ask you right off the bat, does that sound like a lot of the worship services that we see today? Does that sound like a lot of the personal worship that we see today? And so that may seem a little strange because I don't see us falling to the floor right now. Um... I don't see us putting our faces to the ground. But if we take a look at the Scripture that surrounds it, we can get a better idea of why this applies so perfectly, why this is such a great picture of worship. And I'm going to do something a little weird. Like I said, I'm going the way I want to go here. Um, I'm actually going to reread just a little bit of that from the New King James, because it makes a difference. I'll, I, I definitely, you know, if you got the Bible out, that's fine, but have some other way of, of getting to another translation, because it can it, it can add another element to it. So I'm going to read it, and then I want to point out one word. It's the most repeated word I, I want you to look for um, while we're reading it here. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off, and Abraham said to his young, to the, to his young men, excuse me, stay here with the donkey and the lad. I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So the ESV translation uses commas a bit more. Um, the New King James translation uses the word and 14 times in those four uh, verses uses it 12 times specifically um, to link action. And there's actually a term for this I found out. I learned all sorts of stuff here. Um, it's essentially, the term is polysyndeton. I think I got that right. You guys correct me later if you find out I'm wrong. Um, and what it is, is this overuse of conjunctions, and in this case the word and. And what it means is that we can read this as one Action, these tiny bits and pieces that lead up to one action. And what action is is final there? It's worship. And so when we look at the scripture this way, we see that from the beginning of that day, from, from his response to God when God told him to go up and sacrifice Isaac, Abraham was worshiping every step of the way. And it really expands what we, we know and what we can see about worship in this passage. So just a few things there that he does. He wakes up early. Number one, I don't do that regardless of what my day looks like. But can you imagine waking up early to sacrifice your child that God gave you? I would try to sleep in and prolong that day as long as possible so it didn't come. But here we see Abraham rose early to prepare. You see, I want, to, I want to kind of use a working definition here because I think the scripture that we just covered really supports this idea. And it's the fact that worship is a recognition of who God is and what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. And it's a response to who he is. And so if we use that lens, let's go back and look again at him rising early. He rose early not because he was happy about sacrificing this son, this son that he didn't think he'd ever have, that God gave him, that he loved And, and I, I verified, I thought about this for just a moment because I said, well, you know, some kids out here, your parents may be waking up early out of joy. But no, no, he loved Isaac. He did not want this to happen. I verified this. Um, but there, you say, well, where's the recognition? I'm sorry, but if you're not God, if you're not sovereign, there's no way I'm sacrificing my son. And so there's a recognition. And because he recognizes that, regardless of the pain he's feeling, he's obedient. And so then we look more, he cut the burnt wood for an offering. And he recognized, once again, God is the authority. And he responded by performing worship according to God. And I was reminded of the, the offerings provided by Cain and Abel, how, how one was, was not accepted and the other one was. And the difference, again, was obedience. We don't get to decide what acceptable worship looks like. God decides. And so then, and this one, this one gets me, the first one really gets me, the waking up early, because again, I, I just can't imagine saying, okay, God, you gave me this son, he's yours, I'll, I'll I'll do with him what you ask me to. But then he tells the others, and I love this, he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to to give an offering. He definitely doesn't say, hey, I'm going to sacrifice my son. He says, I'm going to worship. I don't know how in the world I could worship during a time like that. But it shows his recognition of who God is And the only acceptable response, the only one that makes any sense when you begin to really understand who God is, is worship. And so you notice, uh, I mean, it's not Baptist worship. There's no music. There's There's no order to the service. There's no hymns. We don't sing our three verses and get done with it. He goes up to sacrifice his son, and he sees it as worship. And this is just a little extra. I won't even charge you for it. What happens... When he goes and worships according to what God calls him to do. Well, if you look, and this is why I say we, we won't spend too much time here, but I wanted to jump in and hit, um, if you'll turn to, to verse 16 through 18 here. I believe that's where we're at. Well, 15, sorry, 15 through 18. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So the other thing we can see about acceptable worship to God is is it yields a response. And I would argue that if you're not getting a response, maybe that's one of the places we need to look is our personal worship, our worship to God. Do we recognize him for who he is and do we respond? And so now let's take a look at how we can worship according to God's design. I'm already proud of myself. I've gotten to the second slide. I didn't think that was going to happen today. Um, But how do we recognize God? I mean, let's be honest, he's pretty complex, pretty complicated. We can't fully understand him on this side of eternity. And this is really key because we cannot respond to something we don't know about. Let's go back to that that picture of of being a baseball fan, which obviously is completely different than worshiping God, let's be honest. But if I never spoke about baseball, and then i just show up and say, man love baseball, my favorite sport. That would seem a little weird because what do I know about baseball? I don't spend any time watching. I don't spend any time looking at stats, watching interviews, any of that stuff. I just decide one day, hey, I'm the biggest fan of baseball. That makes sense. But yet that's how we try to approach worshiping God. We try to worship somebody we don't know. And why don't we know him? Because we refuse to spend time in his word. And, And I put this as the first point of this little section because it all comes back to this every point i'm getting ready to talk about comes back to spending time in god's word because the second one is prayer we know god through prayer but let me tell you if you want a good prayer life you want a healthy prayer life a prayer life that pleases god and connects you to him and grows that relationship it starts with scripture Because you can't pray to somebody you don't know. And then the last one there is our testimony in our lives. Which again goes back to scripture. How do we know that God's working our lives? How do we know we hear the voice of God? How do we know we're being obedient to his will? Because of his word. If it doesn't align with his word, it's not God. If God's voice seems strangely like yours and he never disagrees with you, There's a problem. So many of us, I think, probably think, well, man, I'm really aligned with God. Everything I think, He He wants me to do. No. It has to align with Scripture. And I fear that, that as much as I hate the idea that so many churches are leaning toward probably entertainment more than actual worship, because they want numbers, not not numbers. I've stole this like three times now from Drew in the last week. You know, Drew said, "When I think about numbers, I think about souls in heavens, not souls in heaven, not butts in seats." Um, but that's that's what we've become concerned with. And so, if that's the case, then all we're doing is trying to entertain because that brings more people, more people, more people in. But the reason that's even allowed to happen is because we have become biblically illiterate. We refuse to spend time in God's Word. We refuse to use His Word as the starting point, the end point, and everything in between so we fall victim to our own preferences, our own entertainment. We want to be distracted rather than made holy. So who is God then? Well, I'm going to give you kind of second verse, same as the first. It's who Scripture says He is. Um. Uh, again, I blame Mona for this. She, she got me hooked on, on paying attention to the names of God. And uh, here's a couple just, just to give you a, a little of an idea of who he is. He's Abba, Father. Adonai, Master. Jehovah Rapha, our Healer. Jehovah Jireh, our Provider. El Shaddai, God Almighty. And had to do this for Hank. El Roy, his favorite name. The God who sees. And so as as we begin to unpack these things, as we begin to to get to know God through Scripture, through prayer, we begin to see who He really is and what He's done. And, And as we begin to try to comprehend that, well, then worship doesn't become a chore. It becomes a natural reaction, a natural response to my understanding of who God is and who I am and how He defeated hell, death, and the grave to link those two things, though I could never deserve it. And so it becomes the driving force. It's what changes worship from an obligation to an opportunity. And the second part of that, well, well let me tell one more thing. I, you know, one of the, the things I, I worried about when I first uh, answered the call to, to be a pastor is, man, you know, Am I going to run out of stuff to preach about? Everybody, man, you know, there's plenty of people in a 10-mile radius of here that, that preach better than I do. They, they're going to say these things way better. Than I, why am I even attempting this? And this is the conclusion I came to. We're so quick to forget who God is that we need constant reminders through His Word. And so I may be preaching the same scripture as somebody else, but let me tell you, if it's been a minute since you heard it, you need to hear it again. We have such short-term memories that, that let me tell you, 41 years I've been alive, and I've never read a piece of scripture yet and said, well, I know everything in that, Don't, didn't get anything out of that. Instead, the more I know about scripture, the more I learn about God through scripture, the more I unpack every time I read and the more there is to discover and the more I'm in awe of who he is. And it brings about worship. So worship is a response. We've got the recognition. We recognize who God is and the things he does through his word. And then we respond. Recognizing who God is and what he has done leads to only one response and that's praise and worship. And you say, I mean, some of the Old Testament, good grief. There's some stuff that's not, doesn't exactly get me up and singing. You know, we were um, talking on the podcast about, I think it was, was Hosea or one of the minor prophets there. And I said, you never find anybody writing worship music about this. You know, it's doom and gloom. But again, look at what worship is. Worship is how we are to live. It should be every aspect of our life if we recognize God and we respond. And I want to take you to Psalm, uh, the 10th Psalm here, and I'll probably just read the whole thing. Um, I had trouble choosing one because Daniel uh, David uses this uh, pretty often, this, this tactic. But let's, let's read Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boast of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are there. There is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. All right, now we're going to jump ahead just a little bit. I want to give you a taste of that. Not exactly, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to name it, but, you know, we're not going to hear a hill song, song about that anytime soon, you know. But let's jump down to verse 16. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. And so I I love this, and and, and again, this is um, easy to find throughout Psalms, is there's this starting point of, oh God, where are you? What are you doing? But then there's always a recognition, and then followed by that is praise. And so what I want to point out there is, look, I don't wake up every day seeing praise, not by a long shot. Um, and, and I go back to that idea of Abraham waking up early. Look, there are times I've woken up and said, oh, good grief, what do I have to be be worshipful about? Got the same old boss, got the same work ahead of me. I'm a day late and a dollar short. But the amazing thing is that doesn't change who God is. If you recognize God, you recognize that the things of this world Or not eternal, he is. And so then you can get through and you can worship. And again, you may not be whistling. Look, Abraham wasn't singing songs on the way down there, I don't think. But what you can do is you can say, God, how can I be worshipful today? How can I be worshipful in my workplace? How can I be worshipful to my family? How can I be that example that spreads the joy of God and others and so again we have to make sure we have that recognition first because that's what sustains the response again if you don't have the recognition your response is going to be lacking and then what does our response look like then we've got the recognition we understand there has to be a response and here it is first of all preparation and and I've really held on to this Hank says you know that Church is not a, a Sunday morning decision. It's Saturday night. And then he went a little further and said, it's an everyday decision. It's an everyday decision to worship, and we have to be prepared. How do we get prepared? Once again, we're in Scripture. We spend time with God in prayer. We look at Abraham. Abraham didn't just wander around and say, all right, well, this looks like a good spot to worship. We'll do this. No, he woke up early that morning in response. He prepared the way God called him to. And then there's sacrifice. Abraham was willing to offer his only son as a sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice to live a worshipful life? I tell you, there's days where I hold on tight to everything. I don't have another second of time. I don't have any more mental strength or or emotional strength. I'm tired. God, what else do you want from me? He wants your heart. He wants your life. He paid for it through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's already his. Quit trying to hold on to it. And then there's joy. This is such a weird word to to use when we're talking about Abraham and the sacrificing of his son. Again, understand it's not happiness. It wasn't an emotional feeling. It was joy because he knew that he pleased God in doing that. It was worship. And so that joy is the only thing that got him through that. And again, it's not not about your circumstances. You're not going to feel happy about the things that happen in your life. but You can have joy because it comes from God. So, recognition ultimately leads to a response of obedience. All those things that I talked about are obedience. And we know that to love God is to be obedient above all else. And if you don't love God, then you're not worshiping God. So, we can, we can kind of come to the conclusion there that if we love God, if we want to worship God, the best way to do it is to be obedient. I tell you, I, just a, a quick personal story, then I'm going to wrap it up. Man, this, this goes by quick. Um, prayer, I've prayed many times, is that God not only let me sing with the praise team as long as it's pleasing to Him. But that if it's ever not, that He stops me right then and there. As much as I love being part of this group and, and serving in this way, the moment that it's not pleasing to God, I don't care about it. Because it's for Him. And if it's not pleasing to Him, there's no reason for it to take place. I don't want to be any part of it. So, I knew I wasn't going to get through all this. I want to hit on one point real quick, and then we're we're just done. I'm going to stop. So what does all this mean for corporate worship, this thing that we do? Well, I want to give you another definition that kind of came to mind. Corporate worship is the eruption of personal worship. You see, all during the week we're called to worship personally. We're called in our own individual lives to be worshipful. But then we get the opportunity to come here and join with our brothers and sisters. And it's this picture of a tidal wave of worship coming down. And and I I get it. When I'm up here sometimes, actually, it happened down there. It's not about the song. One of the songs, uh, just the the way it's written and things I'm not necessarily crazy about, preference-wise. But I was down here with chills. I, I couldn't sing for a minute because the words reminded me of who God is. It's not an emotion, it's a recognition. And so if you come to corporate worship, if you come here and you you say, I don't get anything out of it. Let Let me suggest something here. It's not because Dan Amos missed 10 out of nine notes, okay? It's not because Hank went a little too long or you didn't really like the scripture he used it's because you had nothing to bring. Your life didn't have worship, so when you came here, you just continued that pattern. And when we see that worship is to be everything that we do, we have no excuse except our own sinfulness that keeps us from worshiping the one true God. And so my question today is, Do you answer God's call to worship? Thanks for listening to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcba.com.